0: Hey, welcome to the Impact Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. We hope this week's message is a blessing to you like it was to us. Let's go ahead and jump into it. All right, Mark chapter 10, verse 46. Now they came to Jericho, and as Jesus went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great multitude, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, set by the road begging, everybody say roadside beggars. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he, be, uh, he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth. He began to cry and say, "Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me." And many warned and rebuked him, saying, "Be quiet!" But he cried out all the more, "Son of David, have mercy on me." So Jesus stood still. How many of y'all are glad that Jesus stood still? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. We'll talk about that here in a minute. Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. And they called the blind man, saying, Be of good cheer. Get up. Rise up. He is calling you. And throwing aside his garment, he arose and came to Jesus. So Jesus answered him and said, What do you want me to do for you? And the blind said, Rabbi, that I might see again, or that I might receive my sight. And then Jesus said to him, Go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. Follow Jesus on the road. Everybody look to your neighbor and say, Roadside beggars." Beggars. Roadside Beggars. That's the title of tonight's message, Roadside Beggars. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to be in your word tonight. God, we pray that I would speak not with enticing words of men's wisdom, but with the demonstration and power of the Holy Ghost. God, let me not be articulate for vain reasons, but God, let me clearly articulate the word of God that it may find its way to the depth of the hearts of young people. Lord, let this word be sharp and quick and powerful and convincing and convicting, God, and drawing people to the righteous bloodstained banner of Jesus Christ. God, let fruitfulness come from it. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Everybody shout amen. 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 You can be seated. Amen. So I'm just going to proceed through this passage tonight, just kind of verse by verse, if you will, and just sort of share with you some of the thoughts that the Lord began to deal with me uh, just last week uh, on this particular message. I guess the first thing that I want to call out is at the very beginning of our passage of Scripture, uh, the story tell, story goes like this, that they were coming out of the city of Jericho. I think it's important to know that the Bible calls out the direction of the city that they were heading. Jesus and his disciples had just left Jericho. They had just performed miracles, signs, and wonders inside this great metropolis, this great city of Jericho, if you will. And, and Jesus was leaving the city, going on to his next assignment. And it was in his departure that blind Bartimaeus heard that Jesus was coming out of the city and he began to cry out to Jesus. And, and, and I, and I think it's important to know that as Jesus was in the city performing signs, wonders, and miracles, you see the This road to Jericho was known as a very busy road. It was essentially a major highway of the time, right? There wasn't vehicles back then. Some rich people were lucky to have chariots, but predominantly it was foot traffic. There were multitudes going from city to city, walking into the city of Jericho. And everywhere if you read your Bible, Jesus performed works and miracles. Word got around that Jesus was over here in this city or Jesus was over here in that city. And if you read the very first verse of our passage of Scripture, you find that Jesus is leaving the city by this time with a great multitude that was following with him. Because I'm sure the miracles that Jesus was performing and the things that he was doing inside that city had garnered some attention, had garnered some fans, if you will, had garnered some people who wanted to see what next great work that Jesus was doing. But sitting on this roadside as the multitudes came from cities all around and from the surrounding fields and the surrounding tribes and the surrounding smaller villages word had gotten out that jesus was there and many were about the they were about trying to the city and I'm sure as they walked in they were telling stories about how Jesus rose this person up from the dead and how Jesus healed these people from leprosies and how Jesus had done this work and that work and blind Bartimaeus although he wasn't able to see the work of God he was certainly capable of hearing all of the great and wonderful exploits that Jesus was doing and he had heard the multitudes and multitudes and multitudes. The Bible doesn't talk about how long Jesus was inside the city. He was there Long enough for young Bartimaeus to get an idea of who he was. In fact, We know that Bartimaeus got a revelation of who he was because when Jesus came out of the city, Bartimaeus said, Jesus, thou son of David. You see, I imagine all these Hebrew boys just years before worshiping God in the tabernacle or in the temple and and learning the Torah and and, and the Bible and about how the Bible says that the Messiah would come and and he would save their people. And and specifically, it talks about how the Messiah would do great works and open up blinded eyes and, and deaf ears unstopped. And so as Bartimaeus heard these stories about all the things that this man named Jesus was doing, he recalled back to his studies and he came to one singular conclusion. This man, Jesus, they're talking about must be our promised Messiah. He must be the son of God. And so when Jesus came out of the city, uh, Bartimaeus got a hold of something in his spirit and he said, I'm going to cry out to Jesus. Amen. He says, I'm going to, to cry out to Jesus. So what made the difference from when Jesus was coming versus going? Why didn't Jesus stop on his way? I'm sure Bartimaeus was sitting there when Jesus walked into the city. I don't know if you thought about that. Potentially he was. Maybe he came in a different gate. The Bible doesn't know. But it's possible that Jesus had walked by Bartimaeus just a few days before and didn't heal him. It's possible that Jesus and his disciples had walked just past the blind beggar. And taken no action, what changed between jesus 's arrival to the city and his departure from the city? Jesus was still the Messiah when he went into the city. The disciples were still the disciples when they went into the city. Nothing had changed about who Jesus was. The only thing that changed in the equation was what Bartimaeus realized and the revelation that he has. I'm not talking about some ordinary man. I am talking about the Son of God. And it was that revelation that prompted him to cry out to God and begin to cry out to Jesus. Amen. I want you to understand tonight you're not talking, we're not talking just some fan of Jesus Christ. But when you get a revelation of who Jesus really is and you get a revelation of what he is capable of doing in your life when you get a revelation of what he can do in your family what he can do with your sin situation what he can do in your doubt and disbelief when you and I get a revelation of who Jesus is and what he's really capable of doing if our souls recognize that and the only way we can reconcile that is to begin to cry out to Jesus it was the cry of Bartimaeus that stopped Jesus dead in his tracks and addressed the circumstance and obstacles and conditions of Bartimaeus. I want to encourage a young man today. The devil's convinced you that praying is feminine. The devil's convinced you that crying out to God is not masculine. The devil's convinced you that praying is a weak thing. I want to talk to some young women tonight. The devil's convinced you that praying is weird and it's awkward and you should be shy. and You should be bashful and you should be timid. No, no, no. Bartimaeus got a revelation of who Jesus was. And when he had that revelation, he can do nothing more than and to cry out to Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. Now listen, you and I have got to get to the point in our life where we recognize that he is who he said he is. That he'll do exactly what he said he would do. And as a result of that belief, I said belief, as a result of that knowledge and confidence and persuasion, just like Bartimaeus Because Jesus didn't stop for Bartimaeus on the way in the city. He stopped on the way out. Why? Because Bartimaeus demanded it. I'm tired of hearing about him. I'm tired of experiencing him. Your story and your story and what he did for you as a teenager. And how he healed you and he touched your mama. And how he did this for you. I'm tired of hearing about the stories. I'm glad for you. I'm happy you got a hold of God back last year at Barbaraville. But my God, I want to experience Jesus. Son of David, have mercy on me. So Bartimaeus said, I gotta call out to Jesus for myself. I can't live on somebody else's story. I've said this once and I'm just gonna say it a hundred times from now on. If you think you're gonna get to heaven riding on somebody else's Jesus experience, hell you'll split, friend, you'll split hell wide open. You think you're gonna get to the Holy Go- you're gonna get to heaven riding on Pastor Tom's coattail? You think you're gonna get to heaven when the only words you get is what I preach at you every Wednesday? Come on, you cannot live off of secondhand smoke you got to get your own fire. Come on, you got to get your own experience. When Jesus was led to that cross, old Peter followed him at a distance, the Bible says, and he was warming himself on a fire. Amen. That's what so many people are doing. Instead of being close to Jesus, instead of following Jesus closely, uh, Peter found himself following Jesus at a distance, and it wasn't so long after that following that he found himself by a strange fire warming himself on somebody else's fire somebody's fire that they built somebody's fire that they stoked somebody's fire that they prayed for if you don't get a mind made up mind that when jesus is near that you're going to call out to him and you're going to cry out to him and you're going to pray out to him it won't be very long when the only fire you're warming your hands on is the fire the preacher creates when he's preaching his sermon that was way better than you all just shouted hallelujah Amen. It was the cry of Bartimaeus that made the difference. And it'll be your cry that makes the difference. Hope, it'll be your cry that makes the difference for your brother. It'll be your cry. That makes the difference for your brother Will. It'll be your cry. That makes the difference. It'll be your cry. That makes the difference for your mom. And your daddy that aren't saved. It'll be your cry. That makes the difference for your mom. Your brother and your sister. Who's running from God. It'll be your cry. That makes the difference for your ball team. For your school. For your workplace. For your generation. It'll be your made up mind. That says Jesus is coming. And I'm going to call out to him on behalf. Of my friends, on behalf of my family, on behalf of my school, Jesus, son of David. He sat by the roadside begging. Blind, roadside beggars. Not too far from us. We were all at some point in our life just like Emmaus. Maybe not physically ill. Maybe not physical blindness, but certainly spiritually blind. Certainly not aware of the light of Jesus Christ that he paid for on that cross. We were all like Bartimaeus. Sitting there, not really realizing for Bartimaeus it was obvious. He had no sight. So he needed someone to provide for him. Can I have have an offering? But spiritually, this is the condition that you and I were in. Right, we heard about somebody else going into church and having an experience with Jesus. We were spiritually behind because we hadn't had that encounter yet. But somewhere along the way, Bartimaeus got a revelation of who Jesus was, not because Jesus came and had a chat with him. Listen to what I'm telling you, young person. Your testimony is far more important than you could ever imagine. It was the testimony of the hundreds Thousands that were coming in and out of that city while Jesus was there and saying, Can you believe that blind man that got healed in the city? Can you believe? That man, they lowered down in the roof. He came off, and he hadn't walked since he was a baby, and he's leaping down the streets and talking about, and Bartimaeus couldn't see it, but he heard. He heard their experience with Jesus, and based off of other people's experience, when Jesus came by, he had to have an experience of his own. Friend, don't let the devil downplay your experience you've had with God, and don't let him shut you up, and don't let him keep you quiet. Tell everybody you can about what God's done for you. Tell everybody you can about how he saved your soul. Tell everybody he can about how he redeemed you. Tell everybody you can about how God lifts you up and turns you around and placed your feet on solid ground. Tell everybody you can about how he healed your body and how he touched your mom and he touched your dad. Tell everybody you can because you don't know the roadside beggar that might be listening to your testimony. If the only testimony they hear you is oh I guess I'm doing okay or man this life sucks or or man my finals are this week and woe is me I am undone and and just negativity and gossip and backbiting and slander and nothing good and life-giving coming out of your mouth when the Jesus that you profess to worship comes by they're not going to want anything to do with him Now Moses in Exodus chapter 3 was keeping the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. We fast forward, Moses is having this experience with God and this call from God. And he says, who are you? Who should I? God is sending him back to Egypt. And Moses says, who do I say, Tori? Who do I say sent me? Long story short, God said, I am who I am. And he goes on to further elaborate, said, I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, Isaac. And Jacob. And in an instant, Moses recognized who this God was because he had heard the stories of Abraham. He had heard the stories of Isaac and he had heard the stories of Jacob and without any real life personal experience of this God for himself, the knowledge of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob was all the knowledge that Moses needed to really know who God was. What if God showed up in your school and said, I'm the God of Elijah, Isaac, and Will, hallelujah. What if God showed up and said, I'm the God of Emerson, Reese, and Emmy. What if God showed up and said, I am their God with that knowledge of who you are be enough to convince them that your God's worth following? Yeah. Hallelujah. We were all roadside beggars. Blind, i reminded of the letter that Paul wrote to the church of Corinthians. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3, listen to this. But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded. Who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine upon them. That's what the Bible says. You can be in a state of spiritual blindness because the God of this age, that's the devil in hell, has blinded you to the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Blinded by this world's entertainment. Oh gosh, here he goes again. Yep, I'm going right down the middle blinded by this world's entertainment blinded by their music blinded by their attitude blinded by their social media blinded by their behavior spiritually blinded to the knowledge of the glorious gospel of jesus christ roadside beggars living off of somebody else's experience living off of what jonah got and nick got at camp and saying, well maybe one day i'll get it no 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 friend We have got to have our sight restored. We've got to have an experience with Jesus ourselves. And the only way that comes is when you get to the revelation, hallelujah, that I want Jacob's God. I want Isaac's God. I want Elijah's God. I want Nate's God. I want Tad's God. I want Pastor Tom's God. But I don't want their, I don't want it like they got it. I want him for myself, and I'm going to call out to him by myself. I'm not going to sit here and wait for Tad to pray for me or Tori to pray for me or Becca to believe for me or somebody to fast for me. I'm going to get a hold of God by myself because he's worth it. I believe what he did for Caleb. He can do for me. I believe how he restored faith. He can restore me. I believe what he did for this person and that person. He can do for me, and it's enough to make me cry out to Jesus, son of David. Hallelujah. We were all roadside beggars. So don't underestimate the power of your testimony to those who may be in the same spiritual condition that you once found yourself in. They may not be sitting there. In fact, many a roadside beggar goes unnoticed. In fact, many of us intentionally ignore them. And that's what happened. This roadside beggar, On the side of the road. Oh, so what are you doing? And that's what happened. Unnoticed. On the backside. Not even acknowledged by most. But he was listening. Couldn't see much. Couldn't see anything. But he was listening. Those people, you don't realize this world's listening to you. They want to know about this Jesus you claim to serve. Don't make a mockery of him. That's a whole separate sermon. We'll come back to that one later. Amen. He begins to cry out to Jesus. Begins to cry out to Jesus. Then many warned him. In your King James Bible, if you've got one of those, it says they rebuked him. That word rebuke means stop it, shut up. That's enough. It's a stern rebuke. A firm, firm, knock it off. Quit calling out to Jesus. Quit calling out to the Lord. So let me give you this lesson tonight young people. Don't let the crowd or criticism of others silence your voice or cool down your enthusiasm for Jesus. In fact, I would dare to tell you this. If the world's telling you to shut up, if the people of this world are telling you to be quiet, if the people of this world are telling you to cool down and to give up, I'm telling you right now, shout out to God, all the more because of what this world has as normal. Just go ahead and call me crazy. I don't want what they have. I don't I don't need what they have. All I need is Jesus and they're telling me to tone that Jesus stuff down. Tone that preaching about heaven down. Tone that preaching about hell down. Just go along with the cool. Embrace diversity, equity, and inclusion. Let's just all go forward in pride and case sera, and and living for the devil. No, we need some people who won't shut up, who won't sit down, who won't be quiet. That's what this world needs. I got like three of you convinced with that one. So I'm going to stand up on a chair for dramatic impact. Ready? We need to be bold and brave and loud for our Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm not doing this for hand claps. I'm doing this because you need to recognize that one day, soon and very soon, Gabriel's gonna step out of the balcony of heaven. He's gonna grab a hold of the trump of God, and he's gonna blow it, and the dead in Christ will rise, and we which remain will be caught up to meet him in the air. Soon and very soon it will be, but listen, not to those who are shy and timid and bashful and afraid and ashamed of the glorious gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, but he's coming back, the Bible says, for those who are looking for him, That's right. yeah. looking for him, like Pastor preached on Sunday night. I think it was Sunday night. The solution. Imagine having the solution to COVID, knowing the cure to COVID, but yet letting the world go what it went, go through what it went through the last three, or four years. What a tragedy. Imagine having the cure to cancer and somebody you love dearly, you're suffering, you're set on it. Spiritually, friend, listen to me. That's what you're doing if you're not telling everybody you can about Jesus. If you're not bold and brave, you got the cure to the most horrific spiritual ailment, separation from God. You've got the cure to eternal damnation. You've got the cure from the weeping and the gnashing of teeth. You've got the cure where the where the worm doesn't die. You've got the cure. You've got the antidote. You've got the cure to the sting of sin and the strength of the law. You've got the cure to it. And it's the Lord Jesus Christ, but you want to hide it under a bushel? No! I'm going to let it shine. Hallelujah, how I feel like running around this house right now. Don't let the crowd and criticism of others silence you down. Too many in church have silenced their voice. Some of you, because fitting in and being popular is more important than going to heaven. Because fitting in and not rocking the boat and not going against the grain I don't go to those places. I don't do those things. I don't act that way. Why? Because I'm a child of God. That's it. That's You know, You know how many times I have been asked why I don't go to happy hours and why I don't get drunk with all the executives and why I don't go to this bar? And go, I'll go out to dinner parties. I'll go out to dinners. But listen, when the food's gone and the booze come out, I leave. I'm out of there. I'm gone. I ain't have nothing to do with it. Right? People ask me why. You think I just say, oh, well, you know, I just... I just don't think drinking is a professional thing to do. I, I agree with that. I don't think drinking is a professional thing to do. I can come up with so many other excuses, but you think, for one second, I don't take the opportunity to say I'm a preacher of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, and I don't believe God would want me to partake of that. It's not good for my family. I tell them, listen, they don't like it, but that's the truth. And you know what? They don't even ask me anymore. It's nice. <laughs> it's nice. We'll be on a meeting, and somebody will drop a big old F-bomb or something like that, and they're like, oh, I'm sorry, excuse my French. I'm like, don't blame it on the French. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. All right, praise the Lord. It was the cry that stopped Jesus and got his attention. I think I've already covered that point, yeah? Your cry is enough to stop Jesus and get his attention. If you don't think you're getting a hold of God and you you don't think God's speaking or that God's not talking to you, come on, can, can I get some real people in the house? How many young people have ever had that thought that I don't hear from God? Like Pastor Tom talks about how God spoke to him like, God's never spoke to me. I've never heard his voice. Come on, be real. I was there once, right? I get it. I get it. Listen, listen. The problem isn't that God's not speaking. Maybe it's that you're not crying. You have not because you ask not. Or you ask, but when you ask, you ask amiss, like the Bible says. Right? Have some intention. When old Bartimaeus cried out to Jesus, he didn't cry out because he thought it was a cool thing to do or because he was at church and everybody else at church was. He cried out to Jesus because he was trying to get the dude's attention. Jesus! I'm blind, I heard you can heal a blind man, I need you. And I know that seems extreme, but wouldn't you be like that if the man who could heal blinded eyes was walking by you and you couldn't see? Come on, wouldn't you be like, Jesus, Jesus don't leave me. I know you all are thinking I'm nuts right now, but that's exactly what I would do if my wife had cancer and I knew Jesus could heal it. Jesus, oh God, Jesus. I would cry out to him, but yet we want to sit on it, and that feels weird, and that feels awkward. Does it have to be that loud? Does it have to be that deligerent? I don't know, but all I know is Bartimaeus was so sincere that the Bible says Jesus was on his way waning. Stopped. The Bible says Jesus stood still. He didn't look at Bartimaeus. He didn't stop and go to Bartimaeus. He heard a voice evidently far enough to know the disparity in it, to sense the need, the desperation, but not know exactly where it was coming from. And it was enough to get the Messiah, the Son of God, the Savior of the world to stop. Say, bring him here, wherever he's at, go get him. Bring him here. Meanwhile, the same ones, Hallelujah, Hannah, that told him to shut up, the same ones that told him to be quiet, the same ones that said, "Hey, behave yourself." These are the same ones that were criticizing him for his belligerence. Hey, dude, be of good cheer. The Master's calling you. Come on, sit down. That's how, come on. Some of y'all need some friends that'll encourage your desperation. Some of y'all need some friends that will encourage you to cry out to Jesus. Not the ones when you go to lift up your hands, they look at you like, what are you doing? Don't you know who's singing? Why are you worshiping? We are protesting. (laughs) Don't you know what is going on? You need some friends that'll say, go on, honey. Go on for Jesus. Go ahead, man of God. Jump, clap, shout. Get happy for God. You need some friends that'll encourage you. Because if you don't, you're going to end up with some friends. The next time somebody comes to prophesy and give a word, they're going to say, "What God? look what God did for you. Come on. Those are called flaky, fake friends. And you don't need them. You need Jesus. You need some people that are going to say, cry out. Go ahead. Go after God. Go after Jesus. Go. 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 And I, I would to God, to some of you, would find just one of those real friends one of those friends you know that friend you can call up in the midnight hour when you're 30 years old and your daughter's got a fevered brow and you need a man of God who'll pray with you and you call up that man you're not going to call up that one that you were in a thousand point contest with you're not going to call up that one that you were competitive with in basketball (laughs) no you're going to call up that one that prayed with you that one who worshiped God with you people are inconsistent is that message That's the point there. People are inconsistent. He arose and he came to Jesus. Not without obstacle. Jesus said, bring him here. They came to him and said, hey, be of good cheer. Jesus is calling you. The Bible says he arose and went to Jesus. He wasn't healed then. He was still blind. He arose. Somebody take me to him. Somebody help me find him. He arose and he went to Jesus with the obstacle with the hindrance, with everything that said he shouldn't. Friend, I want to tell somebody, don't let it stop you. Don't let your failure of yesterday stop you. Don't let the mistake you made last week stop you. Don't let the enemy stop you from seeking and pursuing God. The Bible says that that very same cloth, right? I could tell you, we can go on a very long tangent about the the cloak that he had, but let's just assume that it was a very valuable possession. He used it to cover himself in the cold night. He used it to shade himself from the hot sun. And when he was begging alms, he would lay it there because he was blind, and he would have them throw it on his cloak. That way he could just gather the cloak without looking for the coin that they had thrown. This was very valuable to him. This was his future. This was how he was going to supply for himself as a roadside beggar. But after an encounter with Jesus and the realization that Jesus wanted something to him i don't know about you but i got a revelation that if he hung there on the cross that god so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would call upon him shall have life which did not perish but have everlasting life that's the revelation that jesus was willing to have a relationship with me and because of that revelation bartimaeus threw that cloak aside and he went after jesus we need to have that same revelation jesus stood and waited for the man the same man that others passed over, the same man that others ignored. I'm glad Jesus didn't pass over me. I'm glad that when my wicked stepfather (coughs) would abuse me and I was broken and busted and battered and bruised, I'm so thankful that Jesus didn't pass over me. I'm so glad when child protective services came in interviewed me. They stuck me in one of those rooms with those glass mirrors, right? My my stepdad had kidnapped me. For two years, my family didn't know where I was. They kidnapped me. They finally found me. Custody battle ensued. So in an effort to find out which parent I wanted to live with, they bring me into one of those rooms with the one-way glass. And they put a bunch of toys in front of me and play and say, does your daddy beat you? Does your mommy beat you? Do you love your daddy more? Or your mommy, how confusing is that? And, and, to, and to see my family come in and, and the psychiatrist that was there trying to psychoanalyze me. I remember it like it was yesterday. I was a young man, but I remember them saying, this kid's going to need a lot of counseling. This kid's hurt. He's going to need years of therapeutic help. You're going to have to bring him to us sometimes maybe two, three times a week. Here's our on-call number. He's probably going to wake up in the middle of the night and cry. He's going to need some help. It's going to be a long time before he's normal. I'm so glad that when the professionals dismissed me, I'm so glad that when everybody else thought I was beyond repair, that it was going to take a miracle for me to be normal, I'm so thankful. I am so glad. I am so glad that Jesus didn't pass me by. That on April 2nd of 1998, I had my Jesus moment. And I called out to him. And in an instant, he stopped all that he was doing. All of heaven stood still for me. Hallelujah. My last point is this. Don't pay attention to the crowd. Oftentimes in your walk with God, It'll come down to the crowd or Christ. Only you can make that decision. Barnabas could have listened to the crowd. Hush. Don't call out to Jesus. Knock that off. Don't you know who that is? He's important. He's got better things to do, you poor roadside beggar. He's got to go to this city. He's got to go talk to wealthy people. He's got to go talk to affluent people. He's got to go talk to people who don't have a messed up past. He's got to go talk to some people that can help his ministry. You've got nothing to offer him. He could have listened to the crowd. (laughs) But oftentimes in your walk, in your life, you're going to have to get to a point where it's going to be the crowd or Christ. Bible says, in spite of the crowd, he cried out all the more. Maybe that should have been my title tonight. All the more. That's what this generation needs. That's what your friend needs. They need you to call out to God all the more in these last days. They need you to get a hold of God. Fast forward to the end of the story. Jesus has this encounter with Bartimaeus. What do you want me to do for you? For years he had been begging alms. It would have been easy for Bartimaeus to say, give me some money. Give me some coins. But No, no, no. He wasn't going to squander this encounter. He wasn't going to. Mess up this opportunity. I want my sight. And the Bible says immediately he got his sight. And he followed Jesus. Listen, listen, if, I didn't, if I had time, I'd really preach this, and we would all get all happy. And I might be happy, I don't know. But listen, the Bible says they followed Jesus on the road. Look, look at it. Verse 52. Go your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately... He received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. Can I add a little bit to that? And he followed Jesus on the same road he was begging. That place the devil meant to keep him at? That place the devil meant to isolate him on, that place the devil meant to destroy him, that place the devil meant to end him, was now the same ground his feet was walking on because he was walking and following Jesus. I want to tell you that temptation won't be the end of you. That won't be the end of you. What the devil's trying to do to sideline you, it won't be the end of you. You're going to follow Jesus. Everything the enemy meant to stop you, God said, every piece of ground your feet shall walk upon, that ground is yours to take. And I want to take back some ground from the devil amen i want to take back some ground for my generation for my friends for my family and how am i going to do that i'm going to recognize that i was a roadside beggar just like bartimaeus and all i've got to do is make up my mind that he's worth crying out to jesus have mercy on my family jesus have mercy on my mom jesus have mercy on my life jesus have mercy on my generation hallelujah how many y'all believe how many of y'all believe that Jesus wants to have mercy on your generation? Hallelujah. Thanks for listening. If you were blessed or encouraged, go ahead and subscribe to the Impact Podcast and share it with a friend to bless them too. Connect with us on Instagram at ImpactYM. And remember, you can have as much of God as you want.